Welcome to the Scale Your Business Better with Tech podcast. I'm your host, Jay Fart, Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Cicely Simpson at Pull Up Your Chair. Cicely, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. My pleasure. Can you give us a, a quick overview of Pull Up Your Chair? And I do believe that's a famous quote, if I'm not mistaken. And also, chair is an acronym. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, Jay, the the day the world shut down, March 13, 2020, I was giving a speech to a bunch of CEOs and I got a question that I got often. You have a very non-traditional career path, Cicely. How did you do it? And I said, there's a famous quote by Shirley Chisholm, the first African-American congresswoman, which says, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. I said, that quote pretty much sums up my 25 plus years in business and politics. I pulled up my chair to be in rooms and be in tables with four U.S. presidents now, foreign leaders, but also CEOs from around the country. And I said, I pretty much have pulled up my chair to every opportunity that I've ever had. And so people started writing it down and I was like, huh, okay. So that quote works. <laughs> that <laughs> quote works is a good, it's a good explanation. And, and people came up to me afterwards and they were like, tell me more about this quote and pull up your chair. And it became a, a conversation, quite frankly, that took me by surprise. And so I left that world shut down and I spent the next couple of months thinking of there's something to this idea of pulling up your chair and making your voice heard and stepping into your power, whether you're invited or not. And so that's how pull up your chair was born to your point, based on the famous quote, which is now my best-selling book, my podcast. We have a community and we have something else coming. That's going to be really big in about uh, a month or so. That's going to really blow out the whole pull up your chair philosophy. So we're super excited about continuing to offer that, but it stands for, to your point, the C is for champion yourself. The H is for honesty. The A is for adaptability. The I is for impact and the R, which surprises everybody is for regrets. And so those five leadership principles, self-leadership principles are what our coach teach, train, and mentor on every day. Okay. So that's really interesting. And I love the philosophy of don't wait for an invitation because you might not get one. That's right? right. And you don't need one, I think. Exactly. I love exactly. that. And it's interesting that your branding and your tagline manifested in a natural progressive way. And I find that I know that when in doing a lot of coaching for businesses myself and my own businesses, those things happen. Like we have a good theme and idea and, and a good offer, but it, it tends to refine itself over, yeah. over time. Do you see that a lot too? Absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was, I, I was speaking engagement about three or four weeks ago and I was talking about something and someone said, no, come back to chair. No, we want to talk about chair. And I was like, but, I, and and so it brought me back to center of chair is taking on a life of its own. And so when people reach out to me now, they'll say, Hey, can we talk about chair? Or can you come speak to our group about chair? Or can you coach our leaders about chair? And I'm like, chair has become a thing that I never fully anticipated, but it resonates with people in such different ways to your point. So that's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about this acronym, champion yourself, honesty, adaptability, impact, and then regrets. And that one kind of sticks out as like a, a weird one. Can you tell us about that? How'd you come up with these five principles to formulate the chair acronym? Absolutely. So after that day that I gave that speech and I took a step back and thought, what was it about that quote that really resonated with people? And it took me a few, actually a couple of months to really take a step back and say, okay, 
But what is the essence of that quote? What did Shirley Chisholm do? She championed herself. She was actually the first African-American congresswoman, but very few people know she was actually the first woman who ran for president back in the 70s. Talk about doing something that no one else was doing at the time. And so people always say to me, was it confidence? Is it communication? I'm like, no. The most important thing you can do in your life and at work is to advocate for yourself, champion yourself. And so I really deconstructed the quote to say, what are the top, how can I turn this acronym into the self-leadership lessons I have learned in business and politics? And let's be honest, politics is a kind of a sharp elbowed sport sometimes. And so how have I done what I've done when people have told me I shouldn't do it, I can't do it, I wouldn't do it. How can I take this acronym and really break this into five actionable strategies that are really going to give people that pathway, that success roadmap that we call it, that's going to get them from where they are now to where they want to be? Because that's my story. Yeah, I love that. Champion yourself. And I think you have to, because you, you can't wait for other people to champion for you. It might happen, it might not, but you should be your biggest champion, shouldn't you? Absolutely. And look, this and your work with businesses, this is not just a, a professional in your career. I coach, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, can you articulate your value to your clients, potential customers? Can you champion yourself? I say, look, I'm, I guess, a serial entrepreneur now, accidental entrepreneur with a couple of businesses. And I have to be able to champion myself and articulate my value every single day. And entrepreneurs look at me and they're like, Oh, I never really thought about it that way. And I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much universal, regardless of where you are in your career or your life or your professional path. The single biggest piece that people miss is articulating their value to others and answering the question, why them? Why you? That's really the question you have to answer every single day that most people miss. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And we're spinning off of this first part of the acronym, Champion Yourself, a quick little side topic here. But sure. I see that all over the place, entrepreneurs, businesses everywhere, their offer, their value proposition is so confusing. I have no idea what they do. And quite frankly, I think a lot of those people don't know what they do either, which is a real problem in it. To me, it's the first step of business mm -hmm. for me, because the first thing that's going to happen, hopefully, is someone somewhere is going to say, what do you do? And this yeah. is a potential prospect. This is someone that might buy something from you right? If you can articulate your value and see if there's a fit. And it's so interesting how such a simple first step is missed so often. What are your thoughts on that in all of your experience in coaching businesses and being in a lot of different professional roles in politics and just communication in general? What are your thoughts on that? What do you think the solution is? It's interesting because I am still surprised. I'm still surprised by how many people miss that point, but it's the answer to people say, you've done this and you've done that. And how did you do it? I'm like, I can tell you every single day. Why me? I can tell you my value. I can tell you exactly why you want me in your role, coaching you, mentoring you, but even to your point in different roles here in DC, I've always been able to articulate that point. And, but other people will come to me and say, but I thought you knew, how do I know if you don't say it? And so the most, I say people, the most important form of advocacy is self-advocacy. But so many of us in this, Jay, I hear it all the time. I can't talk about myself. I'm not comfortable. And I'm like, if you don't get comfortable talking about yourself and what you bring to the table, to your point, no one's going to do it for you. So what's the solution? The solution is we tend to tie 
self-worth and value to jobs and titles. And look, that's what we were all taught. It's fine. But I tell people, rip up the script on what you think about work. And when you say, what do you do? We give a title. We don't ever say who we are, or what we do. We always give a title or an industry. And it's, you got to reframe that in your head of what value do you offer that has nothing to do with your job? Because that's what you're going to take from job to job, business to business is who you are, not the title that you used to have. So it's just a rework and a reframe of let's think about this a little differently. And people are like, oh, that's a lot easier. And the other piece that I'll offer as a solution is most folks think of their strengths. Strengths are internal. Value is external. Value is what you offer that customer, that audience, the boss, the company, the team. When you think of value as what do you offer to others, it's much easier to talk about because now you're not talking about yourself, but what you can do for someone else. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And something that I add on to that is if you are really good at what you do, and you are helping people in some way, why would you not be so excited to tell them about it? And, and have a very short explanation that is a little bit of detail, but short and to the point so that they go, oh, cool, I get it, right? Exactly. Now I wanna know more, or no, I don't wanna know more. That's okay too. But yeah, I think sometimes we miss the, the simple things, right? Yeah, we miss the obvious, we make it really hard. I don't know, somewhere around here, I have a Staples easy button. Remember the red easy button that you yeah. is easy? Actually, it's over there on the table. Uh, <laughs> I have to use that sometimes with folks because we're making this too hard. This is, this is too hard. This is, this is supposed to be easy. This is supposed to be the easy part. The work's the hard part, but this is supposed to be the easy part. So I've got to pull out my Staples easy button every once I love that you have one of those. That's fun. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I do. I say that to clients all the time too. Is listen, there's, you need the right recipe to make this work, but let's not overcomplicate it. That's great. Let's keep rolling on this yeah. acronym. Okay, so we're on honesty, I think. Yes. This was a pretty short one, although pretty... I say short, but it's complicated. Okay, so champion yourself. Let's start with the positive. Everybody likes the positive. Let's make you feel good. Honesty is the gut punch. Are you standing in your own way? Do you have blind spots and weaknesses that you need to acknowledge that's holding you back? And my phrase I use on this is know how you land on people. We often perceive ourselves very differently than how others perceive us. So this one is the bookend. If the champion yourself is, yes, you got this, the honesty is, but make sure that you acknowledge, hey, if, you, if you're strong, man, knock it out of the park. But if you got some areas to work on, you got some areas to work on. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think that helps us have realistic expectations too, right? Absolutely. Listen, we all have blind spots. The question is, and most people say, I don't know what they are. Yeah, you've gotten some feedback at some point. <laughs> Whether you're an entrepreneur, business professional in your career, you've gotten some feedback at some point about what those blind spots are. The question is, did you ignore it or did you accept it as, that was a little harsh, but there's probably a kernel of truth in there I should probably pay attention to. So it is something that we all have to, listen, none of us are perfect. And we've all got to acknowledge we have areas for improvement. And that's really the honesty piece of the equation because people will come and say, I, this is not happening and that's not happening. Okay, let's talk about why. You can point fingers here, but you got to also look here. And I'll tell you, one of, the most, one of the most powerful social media posts I've ever done, I literally took a picture of me standing in a mirror and I said, who do you see in the mirror? A critic or a champion? And I ask people that for every keynote speech I give now, hey, pull out your phone, let's do a quick selfie. Who do you see in that selfie? 
And the, the amount of people who say critic, I'm holding myself back. I've got work to do always outweighs the folks who are champions. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I have a kind of a, a question to, to throw on top of this. Do you think that there's a little bit of a disconnect between like reality with ourselves and what we see on social media, these perfect Photoshopped pictures and these reality TV shows? Do you think that people have some of that disconnect where they feel as though it's not okay that I'm not perfect? Because it's okay that you're not perfect. The honesty part is good saying, hey, I'm great at these things. I'm not very good at these things. That's okay. Right? Yeah. We can work on those things. But do you think people take that in a negative way, partially because of this kind of false perfectionist reality, which isn't real, by the way, but it is exactly. we're inundated by it anyway. Like, exactly. Do you think there's something to that? I do think, yeah, I think there's a lot to that actually, because you see these memes all the time, right? Above the surface, it's all the success. You didn't see all the imperfections and the hard work and the failures and the butt kicking you got to get to that point. And so, yeah, I think there was a disconnect that we see, we love the end result and we love what we see on social media, but we don't love the journey to get there because yeah. I can bring up self-reflection to people. And the response I get is, oh, nah, I'm not, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Or, hey, sit with your thoughts for a few minutes and write, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And I just get the immediate, uh, no, and not even considering it. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of a fundamental disconnect, but there's also fear. What are you going to look, what are you going to find when you actually sit down with yourself and your thoughts and actually do some honest self-reflection? You're going to realize you're not perfect. And to your point, that's okay. That's okay. Right. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is okay. And yeah. If and if you sit down and look at yourself and you decide that you're perfect, then you've got some problems because nobody is perfect and we all have things to work on. That's and exactly right. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, I know Brian Tracy, who so Tony Robbins. Everybody knows Tony Robbins. His mm -hmm. his mentor was Jim Rohn, an older fella, and there was another uh -huh. older fella in that same time frame, uh, and his name was Brian Tracy, and he was a mm -hmm. self-made guy speaker, coach, uh, mentor, and he used to tell uh, the story about how outside success always looks like it's overnight. It right? does. When we see someone successful, we go, oh, they're lucky. They got lucky. No, they struggled for 15 years. They probably lived in a basement and slept on someone's couch and went bankrupt. And they probably worked 85 hours a week. Exactly. For a long time and failed over and over again. Exactly. And continued on anyway, but to the outside viewer, because they didn't have to suffer through that, it appears mm -hmm. as overnight success. So that's, again, this disconnect between reality and what we perceived on these, this short form content on the internet that we're all a part of now. 100%. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that ties right back into honesty, right? That's part of honesty. Like some things aren't real, some things are real, and you have to understand what the difference is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Oh, I did that accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awesome. noticing where you're going here. I'm following you. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. What's next? A is adaptability. This one is not obvious. Adaptability is the core competency you're judged on every day, but nobody told you. So... I was actually just coaching someone on AI the other day and was talking because I, in our career community, uh, people, somebody reached out and said, oh my God, this whole AI thing, I'm going to lose my job. And, I, and they just spiraled, like literally just took it five miles down the road. And I was like, all right, bring it back. Hang on just a second. And 
if you think about it, being adaptable, if you're adaptable in situations, really that's, if you're not, you're going to hear about it. If you're not, and I, what I, the analogy I used with that person was think of restaurants. I used to work in the restaurant industry lobby for them here in DC. Think of restaurants. When COVID hit, the ones who survived were the ones who innovated, innovated, embraced change, but also the ones who said, okay, you know what? This is happening and we're going to make this work. And adaptability is turning on a dime sometimes, right? Adaptability can be scheduled, but the other piece that I coach people on is mental adaptability. How do you respond to people who don't agree with you? How do you sit in a room with somebody and you think that person's dead wrong? How do you reconcile diverse perspectives? So we often tend to think of adaptability as physical circumstances when mental adaptability to people, mental adaptability is really a huge piece as well, especially when it comes to embracing change and innovation in people who think differently. So adaptability is one where people are like, I never thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? But it's the one thing where if you get right, no one's ever going to say, Hey, great job. But if you get it wrong, you're going to hear about it all the time. Or as Forbes put it recently, there are going to be two two types of companies in 10 years. Those who embraced AI and change and made it work for them and those who did not and they're out of business. Same thing applies for employees. You're going to embrace it and you're going to thrive or you're going to be out of a job because you ignored it. Yeah, that's uh, interesting how you connected that to, to AI. And of course, that's a big thing we can talk about a bit. There's a lot of things we can't control, Right. Exactly. Um, in fact, most things we can't control, if, if we're being honest, which uh, yeah. I am not a fan of, but that's the way it is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so what I've found in my life and career is emotionally healthy, but also uh, very uh, practical, is to not focus on those things, right? Yeah. We have to be adaptable when they happen so that we can respond to them in the best way. But to instead focus your energy on the things you can control, because Absolutely. we can control a lot of things, right? Absolutely. That's exactly right. We tend to spiral because we, we're not in control. And it's because we lead with emotion. Most people lead with emotion, not with fact or logic. So we instantly say, how's this going to help? How's this going to hurt us? How's this going to help us? What is this? What's the impact on us? As opposed to saying, there's nothing you're going to do about it. So let's talk about how you adapt to it, how you make it work for you versus the resistance that people naturally encounter because their emotion goes negative and goes to fear. So adaptability. Yeah. And let's, let's throw that back. We can, I guess, throw that back and talk about AI. It sounds like you're talking to a lot of people about AI and there's a lot of fears about AI from what you mentioned that you're running into talking to people about. Do you want to cover the rest of the acronyms and then circle back to that? Yeah. Absolutely. Happy to come back to that. I is for impact because influence is the wrong goal at work. People always say, I want to be a person of influence. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you actually don't. Mm -hmm. Because think about it. Influence is temporary. You can be influential today and gone tomorrow. Going back to the social media conversation, everybody wants to be an influencer. So no, you don't. You want to be a person of impact. You want to be a person who actually has a tangible effect on others for what you're doing. Someone said we're in a, we're in a, a meaningful, a means-based economy. Now, meaningful is impact. M meaningful work, meaningful life is having an impact. So it's not imposter syndrome, although we could certainly go there as well, because that most people think that I stands for imposter syndrome as well. It's not imposter syndrome. It's how do you become a person of impact? And I always say, champion yourself, get you to the table. Impact ensures you stay there. And there's lots of ways to have impact at that table in your career and in your life that we coach and train and speak to people all the time about how do you become a person of impact? 
Yeah, I love that you differentiated impact and influence. And yeah, I think you're right. I think impact is when you actually have a tangible, positive mm -hmm. result that you can mm -hmm. measure in the real world, right? Whereas influences, maybe you gave someone something to think about, but they didn't take action on it, uh, which isn't as good, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we all, when you say this to people in a room, they start nodding their head. It's look, you may have done great on that project on Monday. Hey, listen, you're, you're on the A-list. The boss loves you. If you screw up by Thursday, you're in the doghouse. Your influence is gone. <laughs> or if something goes wrong, you're not the favorite anymore. It's, let's not try to be influential because influence is very episodic. It depends on the circumstances. People of impact have a lasting impact and they do it in a way that goes far beyond what influence ever could. Yeah, agreed totally. And then the last one is regrets. Yeah. So you, are, I don't know, maybe your audience would be surprised by this. I'm always constantly surprised by this. The comments I get about regrets, professional, personal, this one is the one people read the book or they'll hear me speak and they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. And they always want to come talk to me about the regrets they have, the opportunities they didn't take, things they missed, what they wish they would have done. And so regrets in the R became very personable for me in the, in the book. And I talk about why I chose regret is because I, I was coaching on this morning, the value of time. I, I'm not going to be the person on my deathbed who's going to say, I wish I could have, I would have, I should have not going to happen. And so a lot of that journey, career journey has been when the door opens, you don't always know where the opportunity is going to lead, but if you don't walk through it, how do you know, right? The book I got from Forbes. I didn't go seek them out. They found me on LinkedIn. And you know what? I almost missed that opportunity. Why? Because it was some random person reaching out on LinkedIn during the pandemic who was like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I'm like, who the heck are you? And why are you bothering me right now? Two or three messages later comes to find out it was actually a legit message. Like, we'd love to talk to you about your career. We'd love to see if you want to write a book. And I was like, huh, but people often miss opportunity because it looks like work and then we regret it. So there are personal regrets, but there are also a lot of professional regrets. And I'm always surprised by the opportunities people didn't take and they tell me about later. It's amazing. So basically the reason that is the, the last letter here is because what's your message about regrets? To be okay with them if you have them, to avoid them by taking action when you think you should? Like, what's your advice to people, you know, surrounding how to deal with regrets? Regret is a choice. Regret is a choice. And you can choose the pain of growth or you can choose the pain of regret. That's the message. A lot of people will shy away from things that, let's be honest, nothing ever comes to you. And you said it, or you alluded to it earlier, nothing ever comes to you packaged the way you want at the right time in just the right way. It it doesn't happen that I way. I thought that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I say that, I always get the nodding heads and I'm like, it never comes when you want or how you think. And so the question is one of, do you do it anyway? Or do you look back and say, I should have done that. Or I wish I would have done that. It's just people are miserable by choice sometimes because they're too scared to take that step out on faith and say, you know what? I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to try it. We don't have faith in ourselves. And that kind of leads to the regret piece. So it, all, it actually comes back to this idea of the pull up your chair. And so where we started this conversation before we go to AI, which is it's self-leadership. At the end of the day, this acronym, pull up your chair, this famous quote, all comes back to every choice and every decision starts and ends with you. 
And at the end of the day, you can love the choices you made or you can regret the choices you made, but it all comes back to you. That's really the core theme of pull up your chair. It's self-leadership. It's the ultimate self-leadership system if you follow the steps and if you really embrace what we're trying to ask you to do. Yeah, I think that's great. I think people second guess themselves too often too. I know for me, we all make, we have to make a lot of decisions in life and in our work and our business and our personal lives everywhere. And there, it's not always the best one maybe, right? But we have to make exactly. it anyway the best that we can. And I think one of the things that is really helpful to think about is make the best decision that you can based on what you have and make the decision and just stick to it and move on. Even Absolutely. if it ends up being the one that wasn't the best one, just say, you know what? I made the best decision I could with what I had. I'm gonna stick to it and move on because there's lots more to make, right? Yeah. Think of the energy you waste with, I should have, I could have, I wish I should have said that. And you replay conversations or things in your head over and over again. That already happened. So you can't go back and say, yeah, so you got to move on. But in that process of moving on, listen, we all have regrets. I'm not going to say you're not going to miss something. What I'm asking people to do is learn. Lessons learned. It's not a mistake. It's a lesson learned. And don't make the same, learn a lesson and move on, but don't do the same thing over again. Too many of us, live in a cycle and it's just a a vicious circle of regret. And I didn't realize that until people started coming up and talking to me about what this meant to them. And it just blows my mind. The stories that I hear of missed opportunities, regrets and personalized things they wish they would have done. It just, it's, it blows me away that, yeah, I get comments about the other strategies, but this one is the one that kind of stings people a little bit. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'll share with you since you listen to people's regrets, I really wish I would have mined more Bitcoin back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) So there it is. (laughs) Listen, my regret is why didn't I buy Zoom stock when the pandemic started? Because actually I looked at it. I Uh looked at it when the pandemic first started and I was like, oh, it's 34 bucks. I was like, that was a slam dunk. (laughs) That's a little high. And now I look at it and I'm like, what was I thinking? Uh, (laughs) What was I thinking? (laughs) Yep. Now you learned a very good lesson for the next time (laughs) that you're going to be like, I know this pattern, (laughs) right? (laughs) We've all been there. All of us have been there. The question is, what do you do about it? You're exactly right. Awesome. Thanks for that. I'll just open it up. You mentioned AI a few times. It sounds like I'm talking to a lot of people, especially a lot of people in business coaching and and professional coaching. There's a lot of fears out there. There's a lot of speculation. It's interesting. It's scary. There's some fear mongers out there. There are some fanatical Mm -hmm. projections out there. There's all this kind of stuff. It's pretty new. What are your thoughts about it? It's interesting because I actually am seeing it on both sides of my business, not only to your point, as I coach executives or speak to companies or even individuals who are just like, is this going to take my job? And I'm like, calm down. But also I had a AI company come to me recently on my lobbying side of my my firm, the business, and said to me, can you represent me in Washington? And I'm like, hang on a second, (laughs) because the conversation is actually the same for everybody that I just mentioned. Are you willing to embrace change? Now, you may say for the AI company, of course they are. Actually, no. Because when I, when I walk an entrepreneur through, hey, you've got a great technology, but you got to get in the game. Washington's having a conversation you're not in right now about guardrails around AI. Other tech companies are having panel discussions here about what's the best way to message innovation, disruption, change, how AI is going to make you more efficient in your job, going to create more jobs. And it's the same conversation with the individual where I'm like, wait a minute, AI doesn't do nuance, tone, personal, 
things that like everybody needs to calm down, but at the same time, you got to get in the game. It's not going away. By the way, it's not new. Everybody's saying 2023 is the year of AI. It's been around. It's just now more prevalent in people's conscience. So I bring it up because it actually goes back to some of what we talked about. What is your attitude towards change, innovation, and disruption? It's everywhere. To your point, we can't control it. You embrace it and you move on and you figure out how to make it work for you or you step back and realize it's probably going to have a negative impact if you don't embrace it. And so I come back to this both in my coaching, but also in my lobbying world to say, you got to get in the game. And that's a very common refrain that I coach people on. Man, fear will put you on the sidelines every day of the week and twice on Sundays. You got to get in the game. And I'm not telling you to use it. I use it all the time. I'm not telling you to use it, but I'm telling you, don't run from it. Don't run. Listen, this better than I do. Same thing happened with social media. Same thing happened when the internet was invented. Everybody's, oh, no, it won't, won't be around much longer. And it's, you guys are missing the boat here. I love your tagline, get in the game. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Get in the game. I tell people, look, AI's here and it's coming. Yeah. And it mm -hmm. is a way, it is a, a tsunami of change. And if you do not get in front of it, you're going to yeah. be done for. And then you're going to be exactly. filled with regret in a very bad situation. So there's no reason for that to happen. There is so much opportunity. AI is going to replace some jobs. We all know that. Mm -hmm. It's also going to create a ton of new opportunities. And so you just need to look at that and make sure that you're on the opportunity side and not on the being replaced side. Exactly. And if you are on the be, maybe getting replaced side, you need to make a plan so that you come out on top. That's all there is to it. You and probably hear this from businesses. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Probably hear this from businesses as well about social media. Well, I don't want to be on social media. How are people going to find out about your business if you're not on social media? Granted, you can go do advertising other places, but it's also just this idea of like, well, I don't want to do that. Okay, then don't, but accept the consequences of saying, I don't want to do that. I hear from entrepreneurs all the time. I don't want to post on social media. I don't like social media. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's here too. If you choose not to do digital advertising or even just make a post every once in a while about what you're doing, same thing with authors. People come to me all the time. How do you write a book? And I'm like, I took people on my journey. I was like, when I was writing it, I was like, hey, I'm writing this. And hey, I'm doing this. I'm like, I did it all on social media. That's why the book is more popular a year and a half now than it was when it first came out. But it's the idea of, I don't want to do that. Okay, but accept the consequences of the, I don't want to do that decision. And right. I hear it from people all the time. Why are you on social media? And I'm like, really? Is that the conversation you want to have? And it is, it really is the, con I don't want to do that. Oh, okay. So I love that. You're like, get in the game and do it. And then people are like, I don't want to. And what I will say is, guess what? You don't have to, right? If you don't want more customers, don't go yeah. on social media. Yeah. If you want to be replaced by AI and have your competitors suck up all of your market share and take all of your customers and have your profit margins go to zero, then don't adopt new technology. Bingo. Bingo. Um, it's your choice, but it's not much of a choice, really. And interesting, because this kind of goes comes back to self-leadership, yeah. what you were talking about. This is self-leadership. You have to make these decisions in your life and in your business, and you have to be honest with yourself about the way this is going to impact you, whether you choose path A or path B. And you know what? This is also being a grown up. If you're an entrepreneur and your answer is, I don't want to do that. I can't respect that. I'm sorry, because 
I do things I don't want to do quite often because I need to do them. This is, I don't know where these people come up with this stuff. We have to do things we don't want to do sometimes because they need to be done. It doesn't matter if you want to do them or not. Exactly. Uh, and so that's, yeah, it's kind yeah, of. Yeah. So the conversation is about AI and technology, but really it comes back to exactly what you just said. There's an underlying, there's an underlying premise here that you gotta be like, all right, what's going on? It's not about it. what's the deal. So yeah, you're exactly right. That's exactly the piece of the equation. You don't have to, but okay. Just understand what that means. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's what I do when I get pushback. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to, you don't, but yeah, that's, it's funny, but sometimes saying things like that, maybe you can get through to people that are a little bit stubborn to the, the new ideas, kind of frame it, just yeah. frame it a different way. Exactly. And show them the result. This is what you can do when you do it. And this is what happens when you don't, you pick which result you want. Yeah. Maybe some of that is, is the is people not really believing it can make a huge positive impact right because there is a lot of hype too with technology sometimes that doesn't really translate all the time into real meaningful benefits that were promised this is going to 5x your business this is mm -hmm. going to do this and that and there's a lot of marketing and if you read the book all marketers are liars marketing sells the <laughs> MVP, the minimum viable product yep. to someone with whatever means necessary. So there, there is some of that, but at the same time, there's also the other side of the coin where what gets delivered is exactly what was marketed. And so you can use these things, new technologies, new systems, new procedures, new business models, new philosophies to have incredible increase in, in output from whether it's your personal life or you as a person, your relationships, your business, your profit margins, your gross revenue and everything else. Again, I think what you said before is don't shy away from it, learn about it and decide, is this worth doing or not? And look into it and make your decision based on the facts, exactly. Not, you know, the hype or some social media post that you saw. Exactly. It's the emotion. Oh no. What's this going to do to me? Yeah. Okay. That's not the, that's not the place to start. Right. And don't make it overly complicated too, exactly. right? Don't overcomplicate it. If you're not an expert at social media, hire someone who really knows how to do social media and have them teach you how to do it or do it for you or something of, of those lines, but you got to get something in place. That's right. Cause you're getting left behind right a on. lot of money on the table. If you're not there. And then they come back to you and say, why didn't this happen for me? Let's take a minute and exactly, I can tell you exactly why it didn't happen for you because yeah, you said you didn't want to do this or you passed on it. It's again, comes back to that theme of regret. It's yeah. If you can't do it, find somebody who can, but saying no to it's not an option. And most of the time. And it might not work the first time you do it. If you're doing something new, you're implementing a new marketing strategy or a new offer. It might flop. That's okay. Get your test data and stop doing it. Okay. If it's not working and then figure out what the most likely reason for it not working is and try something different. Absolutely. Um, you don't just try something once all willy nilly, just randomly on a Monday morning. I think I'll start posting and then nothing good happens. That's not really a strategy. <laughs> exactly. But you need a strategy and you need to implement it, measure the results. If you don't get the results that you expected, then stop reevaluate and try a different strategy, right? Exactly. And if the person you're working with isn't getting you results and get someone else, right? Exactly. Yeah. Listen, we've all been on that journey as entrepreneurs. I've been, I'm, I joke, I'm an entre accidental entrepreneur. So I've had to learn all those things. I, I'm a lawyer by trade. I don't know anything about starting businesses, but now I have two of them. And, and yeah, that's exactly, you've described the last two years for me, my journey <laughs> perfectly. It's like, you don't stop, you learn, adjust, 
go find, go do it better. But you're exactly, that's exactly the path you laid out is spot on. It's a process and it's, it's a messy one sometimes because we would love, we would love to just hire a service and just have it work and do nothing and not yeah. pay attention to it and not read the reports and not look at the analytics and just have everything just done for us and just get more money. Absolutely. That's not how it works, right? It's a process and we have to go through it and you go through right. and you implement this thing until you get it working really good. And then you move on to the next thing to implement. No, exactly. It's, it's part of the journey. That's interesting. So you, I did see that you were an attorney for quite some time. How did you, and you've done a lot of things. You've done politics, you've <laughs> done, you're coaching executives and, and business people now. Uh, what was the progression of your professions? Like, where did you start? And then what did you do next? You got into, was it law and then politics and then lobbying and now it's coaching? How did, you know? Yeah, that's exactly the path. I started out thinking I was going to be an awesome prosecutor, went to law school to study criminal law. And I very, I practiced actually for a very short period of time before the door opened for politics. And I was like, I don't want to go do that. That's not, nah, it's not my, that's not my thing, but circumstances changed. And I was like, maybe, maybe I'll try it. And the guy I was helping at the time was a friend of mine in college. And he was like, Hey, you have a legal background. Come help us on this political campaign. And I was like, dude, I don't know anything about politics. I don't want to do that. And he's like, just come help us part time. And the guy I was helping the candidate won. And he said, you moved to Washington. And I was like, why would I do that? I was like, I'm from a small rural town in Tennessee. I've never been to Washington, DC. And he was like, you've never been to Washington. And I was like, yeah. And he's come try it. If you don't like it, you can always go back to practice law. And I was like, that's true. I could always do that. And that was 20, almost 21 years ago that I said, I'll try it for six months. And if I don't like it, I'll go back. I'll, I'll go back home. So yeah, started with law, entered politics, worked in Congress for two Tennessee congressmen, left Congress, was recruited to go start a Washington office for Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins restaurants because businesses... Being involved in politics is very new for businesses, but as we all saw during the pandemic, the government can put you out of business in a heartbeat. And so this was 2008. I was recruited to go run, to go start a Washington office and establish a presence for federal, state, local, and international lawmakers for Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins restaurants. Hence my kind of foray into business in corporate America was recruited from there to go run public affairs for the entire restaurant industry and then left there and started my own lobbying firm. And then this call came out of nowhere to start to write a book with Forbes. And that's how, when the question I, I, re I received about my career is how pull up your chair was born. And so from there, career coaching, speaking, writing, I'm working on book number two, book number, like it all just, that's the progression. And that's why this pull up your chair message is so powerful for people. And it's very personal for me is my plan was to be the best prosecutor I could have been in Nashville, Tennessee. I never could have dreamed of the doors that would open and the tables I would I would pull up my chair to, but look at where it's gotten me. Yeah, you adapted to an opportunity that you didn't see coming. Absolutely. And none of them came when I wasn't looking for them. I wasn't, none of them came packaged the right way. None of, and look, I had a, a dad who was a you know, Marine and he was like, stay in one job. Can you just get somewhere and stay? And I'm like, but. Dad, it's this and it's that. And he was just like, seriously, I'm over your job hopping. You got good jobs. Just get somewhere and stay. But every opportunity came to me at a very unexpected time in a very unexpected way. And I said, what? As my philosophy is, I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say no. 
I'm going to say yes and see where it goes. And everything has led to something greater and something newer. And it's been the best, it's been the best philosophy of no regrets that I ever could have had. Yeah, I love it. I wished I would have adopted it earlier in my life. It took me a little bit of time to figure that out, but I did figure it out. And your success, it definitely looks like overnight success to me. Yeah. Definitely. It looks, it <laughs> looks that way on a 45 minute podcast episode is, man, you got successful really fast. It took 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. The 45 minutes and the 25 years of blood, sweat and tears and sacrifice. Good. No, that's exactly yeah. right. yes. Listen, I'm, I'm fortunate that I figured out that attitude in my early twenties. You say yes. And you figure it out later. The no regrets really was something I figured out in my early twenties and it has stuck with me for every since. Yeah, I love it. I, I find it quite freeing because like I said, if I make a decision and it ends up being the wrong one, well, I, I made it and I stuck to it and I made the exactly. best one I could and I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm going to move on. Exactly. To and there've been a lot of failures is. because of some of those decisions, but I'm like, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I said yes to it. Even though if it didn't work out, I'm still glad I did it. Yeah. It's a part of the journey. Yeah. Part of the journey, my friend. Absolutely. So tell us about your book, Pull Up Your Chair. you got a whole book here. You can find that on your website, cicelysimpson.com. People can connect with you on LinkedIn, of course. Got a cool LinkedIn banner here. You have a lot of featured in. You've been featured in all kinds of places. And there's a link, a link to your website right here on your profile. What's the best way for people to order your book? Go to the website. You're right. CicelySimpson.com. Click on the book tab at the very top. You can order the book directly from there. And actually I, for people say, can I go to Amazon? I'm like, yeah, but if you get it from my website, I'll give you an autographed copy. Can't get that from Amazon. So I actually prefer people go to the website so I can send you an autographed copy directly from me. Yeah. It says right there on your website too, on your book page, order an autographed copy. That's pretty yeah. cool. I like yeah. that. I love writing notes inside of the books for everyone. And any last call to actions you'd like to, to give the audience? How do they, how do they work with you? How do they find out about your coaching? What types of, of coaching are you doing? Who are you looking to connect with? Yeah, it's all on my website, cicelysimpson.com. If you love this pull up your chair message, I coach teams. I'm working with organizations, everybody from nonprofits to corporations to really get this pull up their you know, pull up your chair message to employees, to leadership teams. We have a community where I actually coach every morning live for 15 minutes, get your mindset right so that you can win the day and win the week. So we have lots of ways that people can engage uh, with us, but it's all at cicelysimpson.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. And I have one last question yeah. I'd like to ask, and then uh, feel free to, uh, hit anything else that you wanted to, to sneak in here. There's so much great advice and philosophies and, and your story is so interesting um, as to how you progressed and, and got to where you are. What advice would you give to un other entrepreneurs looking to su succeed that you wish you would have known when you started? Ah, uh, wow. Yeah, I will tell you that what I tell every entrepreneur is an entrepreneur will show you what you're made of. Because you're going to have those moments where you're riding the highs and you got that new client and you're like, I am the bomb. <laughs> and you've got those days where you're just like, where's the next client coming from or the next customer? And being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart, but I will tell you, it is the absolute best journey and decision I've made. And I, I love it. Even the highs and the lows. I love every minute of it. So I would tell people, 
entrepreneurship is hard, but it is 1000% worth it. I wish I would have done it sooner. I think that's absolutely fantastic advice. And I couldn't agree more. I say that all the time. It's not for the faint of heart, but it will force you to, I think, achieve the best version of yourself because you, absolutely. Will, you will have to. So absolutely. if you're okay with that, then I think it's for you. Absolutely. I love it. I love the freedom. I love the leveling up. I love that. Yeah, it. Th there's no limit when you're an entrepreneur to what you can do. Awesome. Cicely, thank you so much. Is there any last thoughts or, or advice you'd like to give us? No, listen, I appreciate the opportunity to have the conversation. Like I said, go to cicelysimpson.com. You can find out all about the book, coaching, our pull up your chair community. And we're going to have a sneak peek on the website soon about some additional things that we're going to be rolling out. So go check it out. But thanks for the opportunity. This has been a lot of fun today. And I really appreciated the conversation. Absolutely. I loved it. Thank you so much for being here. Cicely Simpson at pull up your chair, cicelysimpson.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.